0: so many great things happening in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis.
1: It's like in the Book of Esther. God has placed each of us in this local church for a time like this. We're just all people, people of God. You know, we're
0: all
2: human. We're all fallen. We're all sinners. I think we put on Christ, we put on love.
1: Put on Christ with us as we learn to witness in new ways, find inspiration in those around us, and look for guidance from the Holy Spirit, our Holy Mother Church, and the shepherds of
2: our local church. Because we're on a journey.
1: Continue this journey with us now with another episode of Practicing Catholic.
0: Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Kayla Mayer, our producer, Paul Sadek, our technical producer, coming to you through the studio at the Archdiocese and Catholic Center in St. Paul. Well, it was one of the most hopeful and real stories of the pandemic. The courageous priests who spent their time visiting the sick and dying in their homes and at hospitals Now, while COVID has lessened in severity, people are still being hospitalized and dying from it, and committed folks in the archdiocese are making sure that they're receiving the anointing they need. Joining us with an update on what's happening, the anointing corps leaders, Father John Paul Erickson, pastor at the Church of the Transfiguration in Oakdale, and Sydney March, an ER nurse at Abbott Northwestern and at Options for Women East, and a parishioner at the Church of the Transfiguration as well. Welcome to Practicing Catholic. Both of you, good to have you back on the program.
1: Patrick, great to be with you. Small correction, brother. I love you very much. I am definitely not a leader of the COVID Corps. That's definitely all Nurse March. But I've been very honored to serve as a COVID Anointing Priest. So just want to make sure that I am not unduly credited for any good thing that we have done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to make sure and not credit you any further than we absolutely have to, Father. So I appreciate the correction. Thank you very Thank much. You, for that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. Well, Sydney, then let's start with you as a leader of the Anointing Corps and all the good, responsible for all the good things that are happening. Give us an update on the situation like what what does it look like on the ground now with the anointing core
2: sure yeah so you know in general there have been very limited calls which is which is super awesome but that is for a couple of reasons um you know for the past I would say a year and a half, I have been working um, with local parishes to try and get this particular training um, to them so that they can go and, you know, when the call comes, um, you know, they just go. So they, don't, they essentially wouldn't hear from me. So what I did was I divided everything off into different deaneries and, you know, had um, a certain amount of individuals um, who would be willing to step up to the plate to have this training. Um, and then they would ultimately be responsible, um, you know, wh- whenever a call would come through um, through the normal route for pastoral pastoral emergent calls. So, um, so that's been a that's been a big thing. I trying to remember the last call that we had was maybe about a month and a half ago. Probably actually last year. So oh. they're 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 few and far between. But you know, working in the ER, I, I see. I see a lot. I mean, respiratory illnesses, um, you know, you're still sometimes people are still donning and doffing, um, you know, even if they don't have COVID. Um, so it's it's it, it's still a real thing in terms of isolation precautions.
0: Yeah, very good. And that was going to be my next question. Are the priests still wearing all the uh, all the appropriate kind of protective material and that sort of thing when they go to anoint those who have COVID or other respiratory illnesses?
2: Yes. No. So that is the currently that is the general requirement um, at hospitals. I suppose it depends on the protocol of what hospital you are at. But overall, it is still the N95, the gown, the goggles, you know, the whole nine yards that kind of make you look like an alien walking in there. (laughs) But um, but yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's still it's still the protocol. Okay. You know, yeah. I think at the same time, though, there are, you know, people are a lot more relaxed. So I know priests, some priests have mentioned, you know, I don't see it. They're not as strict about enforcing it anymore. And, you know, I, I get that and I understand that. Um, but, you know, as soon as things tick back up, we want to it's just important to maintain that professional understanding and credibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, but so grateful that there are priests who are still willing to do this and that sort of thing. And Father, why don't we uh, why don't we just focus in for a moment on the importance of the anointing of the sick, and specifically maybe for those who are threatened by. Uh, threatened by COVID or other respiratory illnesses, which can be rather serious.
1: No, that's right, Patrick. You know, the anointing of the sick, which is not to be confused with annoying of the sick, that's something else. The anointing <laughs> of the sick is a is a powerful, <laughs> and I would say oftentimes misunderstood sacrament these days. As you well know, for many years in the life of the church, it was called extreme unction, and it really was a sacrament simply for those who were literally in the process of dying. The church's understanding of it has become much more biblical since the second Vatican council, which is to provide grace to people going through an illness of various sorts in which the reality of death is brought before their mind and anointing of the sick, Certainly it has as one of the potential effects, physical healing much more importantly, it's to it's to um, fortify the soul to carry the cross of illness. Well, it's been a great blessing in my own priesthood to be a part of this core Uh, I could tell you any number of stories about being at the bedside of people who were literally in the process of dying or in very, very difficult circumstances, but I was the first person they had seen up close and personal other than their doctor in months, weeks, Um, and to Mm. be a source of God's presence was very powerful for me. I think it's also important to point out too in in this context what a wonderful witness I think it has been for the medical professionals themselves. I've been approached by a number of different hospital staff during these visits, especially the heart of the of the of the pandemic who were incredibly grateful for my presence there, and I think part of that gratitude was I was, as an Anunnaki priest, bearing the same burden that these medical professionals were as well. The whole laborious process of donning and doffing, which, let's face it, is laborious, is something which these folks have been doing for for not only since the pandemic, but throughout their, their professional life. And so there's a kind of a sharing of the load of the burden of loving uh, that I've been able to participate in. So it's been a great grace for me, a great blessing. And while as Nurse March said, certainly the calls for uh, anointing core priests have been much less, they still do come in and I'm still you know, getting called halfway across the, the Twin Cities to go anoint people that, that otherwise would not receive the sacrament. It's been a great blessing for
0: me. Yeah, yeah. Sydney, about how many priests are currently serving in the anointing corps, or at least are, are identified as anointing corps priests?
2: Oh, goodness. Um, you know, so that's a very interesting question, because as soon as the deanery gets transitioned, I, they're not really counted for anymore. So I would say, you know, uh. we originally started out with the the, the Mighty 12. <laughs> um, and then I, mm-hmm. it, it went up, right. yeah, and then it went up to, I would probably say, twenty twenty three um priests um that were trained and so it's just a matter of you know for those who are willing to have this training ideally i would like everybody um because you know when the next pandemic comes around we're not going to have to worry about anything and it'll just simplify things and make us all the more credible in terms of our relationships with hospitals um but yeah so i i mean quite a few i have like four deaneries left, so of the 15, one of which isn't a, a technical deanery, but <laughs> I, I've also been learning a lot about the, the, the organizational structure of the church, <laughs> and the local church, so it's been very, very fascinating, but to that, um, I've also been working with the seminary um, to to get that particular training uh, a part of their yearly training. Um, uh, experience or training, I guess you could say, in terms of, uh, you know, when they do their uh, hospital chaplaincy orientation, um, then they get this training so that, you know, it's kind of more uh, more soldiers being trained for deployment, I guess you could say, in that regard. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's always a good thing to have more, more boots on the ground, so to speak. <laughs> yes. And so, yes, I, I'm grateful, too, that you're working with the seminary. And helping um, all these young men, these young men who are in formation and looking ahead to their priestly ministries, that they're understanding the importance of this as well. And uh, maybe Sydney, starting with you on this one. By the way, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Father John Paul Erickson, pastor of the Church of the Transfiguration in Oakdale, and one of his parishioners, Sydney March, who is an, a ER nurse at Abbott Northwestern, about the Anointing Core. I, I think one of the things I want to ask you first, Sydney, is what do you see as the importance of patients receiving not just physical care for the illnesses and the maladies that they face, be it COVID or some other sort of disease, and the spiritual care as well? Why is it important to receive both?
2: You know, ultimately, uh, Patrick, I think it's the spiritual care that is primary. Um, you know, one of the things or one of, one of the fundamental problems with the pandemic is that I think that got significantly set aside and that's what's been such a grace to be able to lead uh, this particular specialized group um, and do this training. It's been a amazing dialogue tool uh, between you know our world I guess you could say in the in that of the secular in terms of the medical Um, you know obviously both are important but the spiritual is primary and we need to also be able to witness that um, because it's that spiritual that's gonna get that's gonna get someone who is ill and going through a lot it's what's gonna get them through Um, but we also don't forget about Mm -hmm. the secondary effects of that and father was also talking about that as well as the just the general uh, witnessing um, that these priests do Um, it just super, super important on so many levels. that I don't think people really think about and that's kind of one of the reasons why I've been holding on to this for so long just to make sure that it that you know we we are prepared for the next pandemic. Um, I know it's not something that's on a lot of people's minds but maybe it's the ER nurse in me is to getting the church prepared for something like that and I would think that that would be important because no one wants to live through something like that again. No one wants to go without Jesus um, and the sacraments. And mm-hmm. like, that's the re- we want to be on the, what is it? The, the offensive, the more the yeah. offensive side and not more the defensive. So, um, cause you know, souls are important. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And father, just a similar question to you from the point of the view from the point of view of someone who obviously has given their life over to the Lord in serving in as a priest, as you do, so, um, why would you say, or why would you argue? Because maybe with some Catholics, and especially if they're if they've fallen away or they haven't been practicing their faith for a long time, it might not be at the fore of their minds to actually call for a priest when they're facing a serious illness. Why is it so important that uh, that they do so and that they receive this 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 truly miraculous sacrament? In some ways,
1: wonderful question. The fundamental reason I think is because Jesus uh, was present to the to the sick and to the suffering. Uh, the priest, of course, acting at Persona Christi, uh, is in these hospitals, in these uh, in these bedsides as a, an ambassador of Jesus. And Jesus wants to be with us in these moments of great suffering and pain. And it is the case, as you say, that because of the, the spread of secularization, it may not be in the forefront of people's minds. And yet you still got grandma, grandpa, who still got the faith. You've still got some crazy cousin who is probably there helping you out as a family. And when the suggestion is whispered in the ear or spoken, have you called the priest? Have you called the father? Just want to encourage, uh, well, I suppose if I want to encourage people to encourage your friends and family when they are enduring suffering physical illness even in their own life or in the life of other family members encourage them to call the priest or call the priest for them and invite the priest in because it is a profound moment of encounter with jesus jesus wants to be with Mm. this suffering one and uh it is an encounter with a true and living god who just as we heard this past sunday touches lepers uh, within the Gospels themselves, mm. we hear of the Lord's special affinity for those who are suffering physical maladies. He has a special love for them, and these are moments of great openness uh, to God's grace. So, uh, definitely be yeah. be be courageous, friends and family, to your non-practicing family members. Encourage them to call the priest. Don't wait until the last minute. Encourage them now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. Good. Uh, good word from Father Sydney. In just our last couple minutes here, I wanted to ask you any specific challenges that the Anointing Corps are facing right now in terms of uh, their their accessibility to patients or anything that we can be in prayer for.
2: Um, you know, not not a hundred percent. Although, you know, I should say it's just it's just a matter of. Trying to work with the deaneries to um, get priests trained, so it's more of um, working with them so that they realize. That, and we all know um, they know that the that there's that this is important, very important. Um, so just um, prayers for patience, understanding. I think on both ends, um, you know these these priests are amazing in and of themselves and super sacrificial. So to add something like this onto their plate. Um, is i i think beautiful but all the more um so so very needed and so prayers for me to Mm. to keep sticking with it (laughs) and in a in a charitable charitable and prayerful way and um and that that people just understand all peoples um just understand the, the message and um the reality that the lord wants to be with them
0: Uh, Good reminder and good updates from Sydney March ER nurse and Father John Paul Erickson about the importance of the anointing of the sick and specifically the anointing core as they continue to do their good work in and throughout our local church. I, I gotta say I am I am grateful for all the work that you do, much of which probably goes unsung. So on behalf of all of our practicing Catholic listeners and the entire community of the Archdiocese, let me allow or allow me to offer my thanks to to you both for all the good work that you do for those who are for those who are struggling with illness and sickness. God bless you both. Thanks for being on Ca- practicing Catholic.
1: Thanks, brother. Thank you, Patrick.
0: Again, if you have any need of anointing or if, they, if you have if you know somebody who does, please make your first call to your local parish and, and invite the priest out as Father Erickson was reminding us.
1: Thank you for listening. Follow us on social media at Practicing Catholic Show to see what's coming up next. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe to be the first to know when the next episode of Practicing Catholic is released.